Well, it's a joy to be in the house of the Lord this morning. If you're visiting, we welcome you. And I want you to feel right at home in the service as the Lord will allow you to do so. I'm grateful for this beautiful Sunday morning that the Lord's given unto us, given us the health and the strength, the opportunity to be in the house of God again together. Thank the Lord for it. Good to see some who have been sick, some not been able to be here, and back in the house of God with us this morning. What a blessing. Thank the Lord for answering prayer. I'm glad he's still in the prayer answering business. And I'm glad everything that we have is in him. And the scriptures say, in him we move and live and have our being. And that verse is quoted a lot. And I understand that he's in control of our next breath. And physically in this life, he's in control of it all. But spiritually, that verse goes far deeper than just our physical existence, but if you're a part of the family of God, all of your life is in Him. And uh, it was read this morning in the Sunday school hour in Ephesians chapter 1 and part of chapter number 2, and and the brother highlighted about the things we have and who we are, and uh, that's wonderful. And I'm glad for it, and it helped my heart and encouraged me, but while he was reading, I couldn't help but notice all the times that it said, in Him, or in Christ. And uh, you, you're not anything that you are apart from Christ. If you're saved this morning, you're saved in Him. And uh, if you have blessings, you're blessed in Him. The peace that we have is in Him. The joy that we experience is in Him. The victory that we possess is by Him. And so if you separate Christ, we have nothing. All that we have is in Him. And I thought about it and my heart has been... Help, many of you have asked, many of you text this week, and I appreciate all of that. Several asked this morning how things went, and I'm glad to be home, and glad to see all of you, missed you, but it was a good meeting, and uh, my heart was helped and encouraged and strengthened, and I got preached to, and I laid down in the bed, I come back on uh, uh, Thursday night, got home early in the morning on Friday morning, and then stayed with my grandmother on Friday night, and I laid down in the bed, and you'd have just had to have been there, and most of you, majority of you, know Brother Andrew Tonkin, and a missionary uh, to the Amazon, and now he's in Iraq, and he was in, and he was part of the meeting. And he preached, and on at least two occasions that I know of, wonderful, wonderful preaching. And if you've ever heard Brother Andrew, he... And we were talking about this, me and Brother Jeremy, and I don't know why I need to say this, but I feel like I need to. And Brother Andrew changes from the time he gets up off the pew to the time he begins preaching. I guess really every preacher changes when the touch of God comes upon him. And it's not necessarily the difference in speech or the way he sounds or anything like that, but you understand what I'm talking about. And... uh, Brother Tonkin preached from the book of Ephesians both nights. And uh, he preached about who we are in Christ. And the Lord touched him on both occasions. And he would read the text or mention the name Jesus Christ. And it's like it just had a thrust on it when he said Jesus Christ. And he had a certain way that his voice would change. And he wasn't doing it on purpose It was just coming out of Him, Jesus Christ. Like there was so much emphasis on Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you, if we lose sight that it's all 
about Jesus Christ, then we've lost sight of it all. And I laid down the bed on Friday night and I could hear it, it rolling over in my heart. Jesus Christ. And that's why we're here this morning. It's because of Jesus Christ. That's why we're saved this morning. It's because of Jesus Christ. One day after a while when we arrive on the sunny banks of sweet deliverance, one rider wrote, it'll be because of Jesus Christ. And we'll spend all eternity praising Jesus Christ. And I'm glad this morning I know who He is. I'm glad this morning that I have had an experience and an encounter with Jesus Christ. I'm glad this morning that I'm saved and that I'm in the family of God. And uh, I'm glad that I know who He is. And I'm glad that I know that it is Him that does it all. Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Uh, You and I experience that grace in Jesus Christ. And so uh, we're not what we used to be because of Jesus Christ. The Bible said that in Him, that's Jesus Christ, that God manifested in Him all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Everything about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost is manifested unto us in Jesus Christ. Brother Tonkin preached, and I just, it's on my heart. He preached that through Jesus Christ, it's revealed unto us the manifold wisdom of God. And the word manifold, and really we pronounce it a little differently in the English. It really should be pronounced manifold. Not manifold, but manifold. And that word means many folds or multiple colors is what that word means, Brother Tonkin. Preached and he went back. You've ever heard Brother Tonkin preach? He's going to take two texts every time he preaches. And he read over there in Genesis 37, I think it is, where Joseph was made a coat of many colors. And all those things came together, all different aspects, those pieces of garment came together to make one garment. And that's what Jesus Christ is. He's all of the attributes of God all together in one. And He was manifested, what John said, unto us. He said not only was life manifest generally, but He said it was manifested unto us. And if you're saved this morning, it's because there was a day somewhere back in time an experience you had where He was manifested unto you. And you understood by the grace of God and the working of the Spirit of God that He is all in all. That all we have is He. And without Him, we wouldn't have anything. And so this morning, I'm just glad that I'm saved. And I'm glad that I know Jesus Christ. And it's not a head knowledge. Many people think they have a head knowledge. But I'm telling you, to know Him, as Paul wrote about, goes far beyond any intellect and far beyond any wisdom or understanding of the flesh. But it's a divine revelation of Jesus Christ unto the heart of an individual by the work of the Spirit of God. And I'm glad this morning that I know Him. And uh, I want to read this morning, if you have your Bibles, in the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew chapter number 7. This has been stirring on my heart pretty heavy over the last couple of days. And so I want to try by the help of God to give you what's on my heart. And I'm glad this morning that I'm saved and that I know Jesus Christ. But I'm preaching to some folks this morning It's on my heart. I don't preach to sinners a whole lot, not as much as I'd like to, but that's God's business. But it's on my heart this morning to preach to sinners. Somebody that you are not saved. 
and you don't know Jesus Christ. You might have understanding about Him. You might have a mental intellect and wisdom, but you don't know Him in the Bible sense to know Him. I'm glad if the Lord speaks to your heart and deals with your heart, I'm glad today would be a good day to know Him. You can leave different than you come, and I'm glad and thankful for that. Matthew chapter 7, let's stand for just a minute out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. Verse 13, Jesus Christ is speaking here. If you have a red letter Bible, it's in red. These are His words straight from His lips as God in the flesh. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. The text that we've read this morning would be part of what we have titled or others have called the Sermon on the Mount. Where Jesus goes up into the mountain and He begins to preach and teach the multitudes. And He covers a lot of ground in this sermon. It begins in Matthew chapter 5 and then it will end in Matthew chapter number 7. He deals with our dealings among one another. How that we're to respond and treat one another. He deals with how we're to view ourselves and how that we're to humble ourselves in the sight of God. And other relationships and dealings. He deals with our prayer. It was asked of Him how to pray. Teach us, Lord, how to pray. And so He gives us the model prayer in this Sermon on the Mount that all of us know so well. And in that model prayer, it's not that the Lord was, well, I think many people have got it wrong. It's not to take and repeat that, but He was teaching us in the context of how to pray. What should be involved when we bow our head and our knees unto our Heavenly Father? What is it that our prayers should consist of? And so He began to instruct them and teach the disciples how to pray. And He comes on down and He gets to where we are here in the, in the text in the Scripture. And He begins to deal with these two ways. He talks about a broad way that has a wide gate that leads to destruction. And he talks about a narrow way that has a straight gate that leadeth unto life. And he talks about the fact that many are going in at the broad way in the wide gate. And that few that find that narrow way and the straight gate. And so he presents and lays out to the congregation, the people that are listening, two ways. Two roads. And the reality is that everybody is on one or the other. There's no middle ground. You're not in limbo. You're not between ways. You're either on the broad way that's headed to destruction or you're on the narrow way that leadeth unto life. And so this morning I want to preach and ask you, are you on the right road? That's what's on my heart this morning. Are you on the right road? Now there are two roads mentioned. One of them is natural. That's the broad way. That's a natural course of every man, woman, boy, or girl that's born into the world. 
The natural way is the broad way. But then there's an unnatural way or a supernatural way that is the narrow way that we must be brought off by the power of God the broad way that leads to destruction and through salvation in Jesus Christ that we can be placed on the narrow way that heads unto life. But there is a wrong way, which is the broad way. There's a way that seems right, but it's not right. It is wrong, even though it may seem right in the eyes of man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It's what the Bible has to say about it. And so there's a wrong way that's presented the wrong way, but there's a right way, and that's the narrow way. Uh, there's a way that leadeth to death or destruction, and then there's a way that leads unto life. I want to say there's a carnal way, uh, that is the broad way, uh, that is the way of flesh or the nature of the man, uh, but there is a spiritual way, and that's the narrow way, uh, that's God's way, uh, that's the way uh, that has been made possible by Jesus Christ at Calvary that we can get off the broad way and be put on the narrow way there's a cursed way that's the broad way it's a way that is filled with the curse of the wrath of God upon the sin of man and that one day after a while if you follow the broad way long enough and you walk the broad way long enough Jesus said it would lead to destruction it would lead to damnation it would lead to perishment and ruin. But thank God there's a blessed way. Not just a cursed way, but a blessed way. And that's the narrow way. It was made possible by the blood of Jesus Christ. That we can experience all blessings and spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And some interested this morning knowing, are you on the right road? Which road are you on? Are you on the broad road and it's headed downward and that's what the broad road does it ever processes downward but there's another road and it's always progressing upward it's leading to that city of the old high and that city of the blessed king and that city of the endless life and that's the upward way but there's a downward way and there's an up way an up road and a down road are you on the right road which road are you on this morning? I thought about this, these two roads, and I'm just going to preach how it's on my heart. I, I thought about these two roads, the broad road. And I thought about, I asked the Lord, I began to pray and study the Word of God and meditate on the Scripture. I wanted to, to preach you the Bible. I don't want to give you my opinion. I don't want to say anything that I can't uh, back up with Scripture. And so I began to think and ponder and pray. And I said, Lord, what makes the broad road the broad road? What is it that characterizes that broad road that heads to destruction? Uh, and the first thing the Lord spoke to my heart about through the Scriptures was that it's a convenient road. And see, the, the wide gate is wide enough. I began to look up these words, wide and broad. Wide represents the gate. And the word wide means that it's spread out. The word broad it represents the way. And the word broad it means that it's spacious. You don't have to lay anything down to walk the broad road. You can carry all your lusts. You can carry all your sin. You can carry all your devices. 
You can carry all your desires. You can carry your sinfulness. You can carry your own nature. You can carry your way. You can carry your wants, your wishes. The gates widen up to carry them all through. There's no hindrance. I see the word narrow, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it's on my heart. The word narrow means there are obstacles. It's him, them. You can't get out of it. There are things that block certain things from coming in. That's what the Scripture say about the narrow way. It's a highway of holiness. It's what the Bible said, and no unclean thing will pass over it. And so in order to get on the narrow way, a man has to lay down his will. He has to lay down his wants. He has to lay down his wishes. And you say, preacher, that's impossible. It is with men, but it's not impossible with God. With Jesus Christ, he can make it where? He'll give you the power and the faith to lay down self, to lay down sin, to resign your will and your wishes. We read it this morning in the Sunday school hour. By grace are you saved. Through faith and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. Both faith and salvation are the gift of God. Your faith does not come from yourself. Faith is not a natural aspect of any man. But it's a supernatural work. It's a supernatural character given unto man by Jesus Christ so that you and I can believe in him and repent and be born again and be birthed on the broad way and on the narrow way. But the broad way is a convenient way. You can go any way you want to. I thought about that wide gate. It surpasses all the things that man wants to do. Many men want to be religious, but they want, they're still on the broad way. And they can be religious. The broad way will entertain your religion and let you head straight to hell. Of the broad way, there are many who want to deny the existence of God. And the broad way will please them. The broad way will allow them to deny God, to be a God hater and a God denier and head straight to hell. You say, preacher, that's rough. That's the reality of the broad way. It pleases is everybody. That's why it doesn't go against the flow. It just flows one rider said downstream. And it's a whole lot easier to flow downstream than it is to swim upstream. And so many people are just on the downward spiral floating down the stream of the broad way. Some with their religion. Some with their church membership. Some with their baptism. Some with their conscience soothing. But I'm telling you tonight, it's not about baptism. It's it's not about church membership. It's not about religion. A religion in itself will do nothing for anybody except make him worse. But he told Nicodemus, the Lord did, you must be born again. And any avenue outside of Jesus Christ will put a man on the broad road and keep a man on the broad road. See, the reality is we're all born on the broad road. It's a natural course. That's where we're born because we're shaping in iniquity. And in sin we're conceived. It's what David said. Man that's born, every man, woman, boy, and girls born with a sin nature. And the natural course of man, the natural road that we are on is the broad road. And there's nothing that can be done by man. No deed good enough, no price 
great enough could ever be paid or done by any man to get us off the broad road and put us on the narrow road. But I'm glad what mankind could not do. God sent forth his son, made him a woman, made under the law, and redeemed them that were under the law, and that we through him might receive the adoption of sons. And what we could not do, Christ did for us, and he fulfilled every point of God's law for us. He satisfied the wrath of God for us so that he could put us on the broad road and put us on the narrow road. It's convenient. This broad road is convenient. Then this broad road is crowded. If you're going to go this morning with the multitude, you'll be on the broad road. That's where the multitude is. People in this day want to go with the majority. They want to go with the flow. They want to go with everybody else. And that's the broad road. That's where everybody's going. And it's not so much, I want you to hear me this morning, it's not so much the road, it's where the road ends up. It's not so much what goes on walking down the road, but it's the fact that the destination of the road's already been settled. See, both these roads, their destination is sealed. The broad road can never lead you to life, nor can the narrow way ever lead you to destruction. And you can't hop off and hop on. You'll not be on the broad road and on the narrow and back on the broad, or on the narrow and back on the broad. It doesn't work that way. You're either on the broad road and your destination is headed toward destruction, or you're on the narrow way and you're headed to life with the few there be that find it. Scriptures say many are on the broad road. Now see, you and I, in our natural minds, in our natural understanding, in the way that the human flesh wants to do, we want to make everything sound better. We want to make ourselves feel better, especially if we're apart from God. And so we'll begin to justify things. We'll say things like, well, murderers are on the broad road, and child whoremongers are on the broad road, and adulterers are on the broad road, and Thieves are on the broad road and wicked men are on the broad road. But I'm going to tell you this morning, there are church members on the broad road. And there are religious people on the broad road. There are preachers so-called on the broad road. And there are church members on the broad road. There are parents on the broad road and children on the broad road. There are preachers' kids on the broad road and deacons' wives on the broad road. There are all kinds of people on the broad road because it's not about who we are. It's not about what we've done. It's not about our prestige. It's not about our position. It's not about any of that. The only thing that separates those on the broad road from those on the narrow road is they've had an experience with Jesus Christ. They've been born again. See, the reality is, in past, it was read this morning, about time past before, we used to walk according to the course of this world. And so if we go back far enough in our mind and far enough in our past, it would behoove us to know and understand that in our own flesh, in our own past, if we look on the narrow road, there are bad people on the narrow road. There are people with a past on the narrow road. But see, it's not about us. Thank God our past is behind us. The Bible said as far as east is from the west, so far that they removed our transgressions from us. 
that he had not dealt with us after our iniquities. We better thank God this morning. But we're saved. It's not about who we are. Not about what we've done. It's about the fact that we've been born again. That's what separates us from the broad road and puts us on the narrow road. The, the broad road's filled with choices. You can have every choice you want to have. You can, be a, you can come to church. If that's what you want to do. Make yourself feel good about yourself and be on the broad road. You can not come to church. You can deny the existence of God. You can live your life as a God reviler and a God hater if that's what you want to do and be on the broad road. Now I understand. I'm just preaching how the Lord's put it on my heart this morning. I know that it's sober and somber and it ought to be when we're dealing with the souls of men. I'm telling you that this is the main business of the church. Christ Jesus, Paul said, came into the world to save sinners. That was his main business here. Oh, thank God he did miracles and he healed the sick and he raised the dead and he touched the blind. But that was just side benefits of the fact that he was God in flesh. But his main business, he left heaven or to come to earth to save sinners and get us off the broad road and put us on the narrow way. The main business of the church is to see sinners saved. It's not our business to save them. That's Jesus' business. But it's our business to preach to them. It's our business to proclaim. Never in this book and I'm trying just to follow the leadership of God. I don't want to get off on any rabbit runs or tangents this morning, but it's not our business to share the gospel. I know that's become the great testimony and the great phrase and saying of our day, but Paul never said, we proclaim the gospel. We preach the gospel. That gives it power. Not we do, but Christ does. And the Spirit of God does. It's the business of the church and the people of God to proclaim the gospel to every creature. I understand there's a lot of people that want to have a lot of debate about this and that, about preaching the gospel. Jesus told us to proclaim the gospel to every creature. I understand that in the Scripture there are doctrines of election and predestination, but those are not salvation doctrines. Those are family doctrines. And if you're saved by the grace of God, you can rejoice in the fact that He knew you before the foundation of the world. But we don't, I don't know who God foreknew and who He did not know. And so therefore it's my business because of my calling to preach the gospel to every creature. Some preacher said, maybe Brother Tonkin this week and it resonated in my heart. We'll walk through one blessed day because of Jesus Christ of the pearly gates of heaven and on the outside it'll say whosoever will but on the back side of the gate it'll say foreknown before the foundation of the world and no sinner's ever caught God by surprise but that's not my business and it's not yours it's our business to proclaim the gospel and leave the results up to God that's right so there's a broad road and a narrow road and the broad road is a convenient road. And the broad road is a road full of choices. You can do anything you want to and be on the broad road. That's why so many men and women stay on the broad road is they can do whatever they want to do. They can indulge to their flesh. They can live to their self. 
without any, the only time they ever have any experience of uncomfort or unrest is if God so honors them to send the gospel where they are in the power of the Holy Ghost and convict them and touch them and enlighten them. Many people that are on the broad road, it ought to cause us to rejoice if we're saved this morning. There are many of people on the broad road that don't even know they're on the broad road. And they cannot know without God enlightens them to the fact that they're on the broad road. You say, preacher, you're making a whole bunch about God. You got it right. It's God from start. It's God in the middle. It's God at the finish. It'll be God that shows a man that he's lost. God that brings a man to repentance. God that gives a man faith and the ability to repent gives him godly sorrow that he can repent. It'll be God that saves a man. God that lets a man know he's saved. God that keeps a man. And one day after a while, it'll be that same God that carries us safely home into eternal rest with Jesus Christ. And so if you're on the narrow way this morning, it ought to do something deep down inside your heart to know that God came to where you were and let you know that you was on the broad road and showed you that there was an alternative to destruction. Because you see, that broad road, it is a way of convenience. It is a way of choice. It is a way of a crowd. But the Lord told me to tell you this morning, it got a catastrophic end. It said the way, the end thereof, the ways of death, it leads to destruction. I looked up that word destruction. I don't want to get it wrong. I got it wrote down here. It means perishing, ruin, or eternal misery. That's what the word destruction means. And that's where the broad road's headed. It's headed to hell. To that place of eternal misery. And I could preach this morning to you about what hell's going to be like, about what the Scripture tells us about hell, about the fact that it's a place of fire and judgment. It's a place where the worm dieth not, where the fire's not quenched, the smoke ascends up, there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, and we can get all bent out of sorts about that. And I'm not disrespecting the details of the Word of God, but I'm going to tell you of the fire and the worm and the fact that, that there's a sensation of falling, the bottomless pit, there's no end to it. Up mankind is born on a downward way, and that downward way, if God doesn't intervene in the man, that doesn't respond to the call of God, that broad way, that downward way will be an eternal downward way. There'll never be a bottom. There'll never be an end. It's an always downward way, an always falling way, a bottomless pit. But I'm going to tell you that pales in comparison to the fire and the worm and the smoke and the weeping and the wailing, the gnashing of teeth pale in comparison to the fact that you'll be absent from the presence of God. No mercy, no grace, none whatsoever. And you may be here and unsaved this morning and you think you've never experienced the grace and mercy of God. You have. God has been good to you. The Bible Bible said he's good to all. That's all. The saved and the unsaved. It rains on the just and the unjust. And the worst thing about hell it will not be all of those things. It'll be the fact that you'll never ever again experience the gift of the presence of the Holy God. The Bible said that rich man, I understand that it was a little different in that day because paradise was still there and paradise was in the heart of the earth. And there was a gulf between paradise and 
and hell, and we're also taught in the scripture that hell is in the heart of the earth, that hell's opened her mouth without measure, and her borders are always expanding because hell was not created for fallen man. Hell was created for the devil and his angels, but because of sin, now that Broadway heads to that place of destruction. And I'm telling you, when that rich man looked and saw Lazarus in Abraham's bosom, he said, would you send him? Would you help me? Would you have mercy on me? And he said, not so, it's impossible. There's a great gulf fence so that they that should go from here to you cannot neither they that would come from you to here and I'm telling you as great as that gulf was there'll be an even greater gulf between heaven and hell between that place of eternal bliss and that place of eternal damnation there'll be no sight of God there'll be no hint of God there'll be no presence of God nothing at all about God just damnation misery and ruin for all eternity it's a catastrophic end not just get there and experience a few hours of pain and burn up. That's what many people would have you to believe. Many people in our day in the wickedness and the ungodliness of our day treat hell like it'll be some kind of party. But I'm telling you, according to the Word of God, there'll be no party in hell. They'll be weeping and crying. I believe that according to Scripture, if we're going to take the Scripture literally for what it says, there'll be one of the blessed things about heaven is there'll be no remembrance. He's going to wipe away all tears from our eyes. There'll be no remembrance of things past, of heartaches, of trials, of tragedies. But I'm telling you, in hell, there'll be a remembrance. I believe that every sinner remember every message of the gospel that went forth, every invitation, every time God dealt with their heart, every time the doors were open and God wooed on them and drawed on them, I'm telling you, you'll stand with before God without excuse or there'll be nobody with an excuse before a holy God that day he'll say depart from me ye that work iniquity I never knew you be cast into outer darkness for all eternity it's a catastrophic end this Broadway but then there's a narrow way what makes a narrow way the narrow way if you're here this morning you're unsaved. You're on the broad way. And the Lord's dealing with your heart. And in your mind is turning all these questions. And I want to say this morning, if you're going to wait to get all your questions answered, then you'll never respond to God. Because all your questions are never going to be answered. You're going to have to take Him by faith. That faith that He extends unto you. That gift of God. You're going to have to believe it by faith. People all around our world today, preachers in pulpits are preaching to people, commanding them to believe, and they don't have the power to believe without the faith of God. It's not a come anytime you want to, or come when you feel like it, or do it when you want to do it. And I may be preaching to young people. I looked across the congregation this morning, and the Lord surely blessed us with a bunch of children. I may be preaching to some of you this morning. You're thinking, well, I'll grow up and I'll do what I want to do, and then at a more convenient season. See, that thing of convenience, that's a Broadway thing. That's not a narrow way thing. Paul reasoned before Festus or Felix, one of them, and he said, I'll call you at a more convenient season. But that convenient season never came. And the convenient season will never come for you either. He preached to Agrippa. And Agrippa said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. I don't know what all went on in the heart of Agrippa. I don't know what all was going on, but I'm going to tell you, almost saved is altogether lost. 
There's no middle ground. There's no almost off the broad way and almost on the narrow way or some middle place that runs between the two while you're making up your mind and deciding you're either all on the broad way or you're all on the narrow way. But I got to thinking about this scripture and the same Bible that tells us that wide is the gate and broad's the way that leads to destruction also tells us that straight is the gate. The word straight means that there are obstacles close about. It's a funneling. And the Lord took my heart to Numbers, I think 22, where Balaam's riding that donkey and he's going his way. And the angel of the Lord stands and he turns the donkey into another way. And Balaam gets angry and beats the donkey. And it turns back and then the angel of the Lord stands again. The Bible said in a place where there were walls on both sides where you couldn't turn to the left hand or to the right hand. That's the narrow way. It's just a narrow... See, the reason the gate is straight is because you can't go through carrying your flesh, carrying your wants. You'll not go through telling God He can have 98% and you'll give Him 2% later. That 2% will beat against the gate of the narrow way and you'll not be able to pass through. Straight is the gate. And narrow is the way. The word narrow means press, compressed, contracted. Speaks of a birth. Contraction speaks of a birth. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. See, the reason the broad gate is wide is because it has many entrances. You can come religion, you can come without religion. You can come as a bad person, come as a so-called good person, come any way you want to, any gates you want to come through, the gate's wide enough to get in the broad way. The narrow way has one gate, and that's Jesus Christ. You'll come through Him, or you'll not come at all. Jesus said, I am the door. If any man come in any other way, same as a thief and a robber. But He said, if you come in by Me, He said, you'll find rest, and you'll go in and out to pastor. I'm going to tell you this morning, there's a narrow way and I'm going to tell you what makes it narrow. Just like all them other things make... I'm just preaching what the Lord put on my heart. What makes the narrow way narrow is the Scriptures. The Scriptures make it narrow. You're not going to bargain with God, reason with God, make out some kind of deal with God. The Scriptures say what the Scriptures say. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. And so the Scriptures are the rules. The Scriptures are the instructions on how to get in the narrow way. The Spirit of God makes the narrow way the narrow way. It's His work. He works through the Scriptures on the heart of the individual. You can't bypass Him. There are many people in this day that are trying to bypass conviction, bypass the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. But you cannot. He is an agent in regeneration. You cannot be regenerated. You cannot be saved. You cannot be born again without the work and the aid of the Spirit of God. And so that keeps the narrow way the narrow way. One preacher said, I believe Brother Hanley Milby said, everybody in our days wanting to narrow the broad way and broad the narrow way, but you can't do it. They're both fixed. The broad road's broad and it's going to stay broad and the narrow way's narrow. And by the Word of God and the work of God, it's going to stay a narrow way. God won't bend the gate 
for anybody. God won't enlarge the gate for anybody. It doesn't matter what you have played out in your mind. It doesn't matter what you think you understand. It doesn't matter what you think you've got worked out. There's one way in, and that's by Jesus Christ. You must be born again by the preaching of the Scriptures, by the drawing of the Spirit of God. And not only that, the Savior keeps it narrow because He's the only way. He's the only Savior. See, the broad way, they can come and get in any way they want to, but the narrow way, He's the only way. He's the only way. And then on this narrow way, and I, I just need to do this and then I'm done. The word narrow not only means contracting or pressing, but it means affliction. And see, the reality is many don't want the narrow way because at times it's a way of suffering. And the suffering they want to go their way, it's not natural for a man to resign his will or decide against his flesh. And that's what repentance is. We have a notion in our day that repentance is just being sorry. There's more to repentance than just being sorry. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of people that are only sorry because they get caught. Repentance goes far deeper than that. Repentance is a turning on yourself with God. Repentance is literally you siding against yourself and siding with God. God says you're wrong and you say you're right. God, I am wrong and you're right. God says you're on the broad way and you're headed for hell and you say you're right and I deserve to go there. That's what repentance is. And then when you get born again, you're regenerated, you're regened. That's how we can come off the broad way. And on the, I understand we still live in a body of flesh. I understand we're not perfect, sinless in the flesh. But what makes us capable of coming off of the broad way and on the narrow way is that Jesus Christ regenes us. We no longer have the nature of Adam. We have the nature of Christ living in us. And at times there is affliction. At times, the Bible said many of the afflictions of the righteous. But it says, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. And just like the Broadway, there's an end result. The Broadway is catastrophic. The narrow way is salvation. It leads to life. And few there be that find it. That word life means fullness of life. Active life could only be life in Christ. You say, preacher, I thought I'm already saved. You are. Positionally, you're as saved as you'll ever be. But there's coming a day that we'll have total salvation. That is, the body and the spirit and the soul. Right now, the inner man is saved and as saved as he will ever be. But one blessed day, he's going to save the body. Not this body. This body's corrupt. And that's why Paul said this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. The Scriptures say we're waiting for the redemption of the body. The Scriptures say our salvation, the reason that it's time for us to awake as people of God out of our sleep, for our salvation is nearer now. That's the salvation of the body than when we first believed. So I wonder this morning, tried my best to preach my heart to you. Leadership of God. Are you on the right road? What road are you on? There's two ways. 
two ways only. There's a broad way and there's a narrow way. And the broad road leads to death and destruction. And the narrow way leads to life. Many are going in the broad way. But Jesus said, few there be that find the narrow way. And the only ones that find it are those to whom it's revealed by the Spirit of God that there is a way, not just that seemeth right, but there is a way that is right. The broad way is the wrong way. The narrow way is the right way. The broad way is the cursed way. The narrow way is the blessed way. The broad way is the downward spiral. The narrow way is the upward way. We sing that song, I found the way that leads to endless day yonder in the glory land. The way called straight, I'll reach the golden gate. I'm going to tell you it's because of Jesus Christ. While we stand all over the house this morning, I'm done. Preach what the Lord...